Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. Sorry, I don't have anything funny to say as we are starting off. So, Russ, do you have anything? No, nor that. What that really means is that Josh doesn't have anything that he's going to make fun of me about. Yeah, that's true. I well, mean, your that's face really, isn't all mangled today. Yeah. I mean, last so that, time. <laughs> that's really all this amounts to is that. Go go ahead and make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> no, I like me. I like you better than okay, Russ. So no. it doesn't I, work. I knew that. No. <laughs> all right, so we are tackling some of uh, the most important questions I think um, in in Christendom today. Uh, it's not to say that we're all knowing and all that. It's just to say that uh, these are some questions that people have raised, and I think they're very important. So here's the question for today. If people had questions that they wanted to send us, where would they do that at? What's your address? Well, you know the address for the Reformation Alliance. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, info at reformationboise.com, I think would work. <laughs> Sorry, this is this is why nobody allows me to do administration at my church. I am horrible at it. That was deeply inspiring. Yes, I know. Okay. <laughs> Just write a letter to the radio station. There you go. Um, okay, so here's the question. How were the books of the Bible selected and compiled, and how were the decisions made as to what would be distributed as the Word of God? Can I, can I set this up real quick before mm-hmm. you answer? Yeah. I know you're yeah. chomping at the bit. There's kind of two models right that are that that uh, people have come down on and said well either the canon which is the the compilation of scripture either the canon was decided by the churches kind of extrinsically it was an ecclesiastical creation or it was determined by um by god himself and and needs to be fleshed out a little bit but there you go there's the setup sure the first thing to be said about the Bible, uh, perhaps, and well, and uh, well, let's say first that the, the Bible is, of course, the Word of God, infallible, inerrant, uh, and sufficient to tell us everything that we need to know about who God is and who we are before God, and primarily the gospel. That uh, the Bible is sufficient to convey to us uh, the gospel, uh, the good news that that God has come to us in the person of Jesus. Uh, for our salvation. Now, how did the Bible come to be, which is really what this question is getting at? How were the books of the Bible selected and compiled? And perhaps the first thing to be said is that the Bible did not uh, drop out of the sky in the form that we have it now. It wasn't uh, discovered on uh, golden plates that somebody dug up. Uh, It wasn't uh, dictated to somebody in a cave, uh, which is the, the a legend about the 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 Quran uh, in in Islam that it was dictated uh, by an angel uh, to Muhammad in a in a cave. The origin of the Bible 
is not like that at all. And which I, I will, will argue, and, and maybe I'll hold off on this because I um, want, want to let you guys get in on this too. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue that the fact that the Bible didn't drop out of the sky, it wasn't discovered on golden plates, it, it wasn't dictated in a cave, it has, in fact, a very human origin. It's inspired by God with a very human origin, which lends credibility and authenticity to it. So I'll let you guys take it from there, and I'm happy to come back in. But the Bible was compiled. Well, I guess now I'm going to keep on going anyway, aren't I? Well, let me summarize what you said real quick. Okay. If we ask the question, who wrote the Bible? We can say God and man wrote the Bible. Absolutely. And they wrote it in a different way. God being, you know, to use technical language, God being the efficient cause and man being the instrumental cause. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you uh, for, for using the, those words that I don't remember. <laughs> probably the helpful verse on this is Second Peter 1, starting verse 20, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we all believe that there were human authors. Mm -hmm. We don't believe that in a mechanical um, view of Scripture that that. They, they, they were just they, robots. They were not robots. God used specific people with personalities and educational backgrounds. And so what you'll find is that the writings of Paul and the, the Greek that he would use is much different than the writings of Peter. Well, mm -hmm. that should be understandable. One is a, a fisherman and the other one is a highly educated um, rabbi, mm -hmm. if you will. And so naturally, the, their writings reflect their educational background and their, their occupational background. Which but is, the words are still coming from the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. using the vessels that he has chosen. Yes, and not, and not dictated. We don't, not dictated. We, we don't believe in a dictation theory of inspiration. And, and just once again, to make a comparison... Islam believes that the Quran was dictated by an angel and, and, and that Muhammad wasn't anything but a secretary. Mm -hmm. he, he was a, a stenographer yeah. uh, writing it down. And we don't believe that about the Bible, that it comes, as you were saying, uh, Josh, from, from human, it, it, God, God the, the instrumentality of God, but with, through a human agency. So maybe a good way to try to illustrate this is Josh, Phil, and I all preach every Sunday morning. And all of us have a deep conviction that our job is to preach the word of God, to bring out the meaning of the text. But we all do it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully the same message is being preached with regard to the truth of what scripture says, yeah. but all of our own personalities and, and things will come out in the preaching of the word, same message, different presentation. Yeah. And I, I hope that that's what we're communicating with regard to the Bible. Yeah. I mean, you the look at messages, God's yep. human vessels, Peter and John and Paul, they all have different writing styles. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. real quick. So dealing with the idea of compilation, our view is very different than, than Rome's view. Ro Rome's view of, of the compilation of Scripture is that the church essentially determines what the canon is. Um, 
our view, the Protestant view, is that the church discovers what the canon is. So, so it's a bit like uh, recognized, cr- yep. received. Yep. So Christopher uh, Columbus, when he got on his ship to sail the ocean blue, he didn't determine where America was going to be. He didn't pull out a map and say, here's America. No, he discovered where America was. And I think there's three primary ways that the church has discovered the canon, because then that's the next question. Well, then how does the church know that the gospel of Judas is really not in the canon, right? Mm-hmm. And there's three basic answers to that question. The scripture was discovered by, by three ways. The universal consent of the church, the attributes that it possesses, and the Holy Spirit's witness. Mm-hmm. So the church, you know, in 397, by God's gracious providence, they all looked at this this canon that was at that point there was already 12, 27 books of the New Testament that were circulating, and they said these are the twenty seven books that uh, we believe belong to the New Testament, and they weren't voting on it, and right. they weren't determining that this was going to be the canon. They right. said it's like Christopher Columbus discovering America. We're discovering this is this is God's word. Yeah, they they had these these writings had come to. Um, have authority in the church, um, not in a not in a natural sense, but in a supernatural sense. Um, that that the authority of these books was acknowledged, and and of course many many listeners will know that there are many many uh, Christian and pseudo Christian and all kinds of, of wacko writings, and some of them. Uh, some of them Christian writings, but just didn't make it into the canon. Some of them uh, uh, false gospels that were just flatly rejected, uh, that they have nothing to do but uh, with uh, the, the genuine gospel. But many listeners are probably aware that there was hundreds and hundreds of documents out of the first century in the second century that didn't make it into the canon. And... If you have ever read any of those, you will recognize if you're a Christian, and if you know the New Testament, you'll recognize immediately, well, of course this didn't make it in. Yeah, and that, that's also in one sense you giving your consent yes. to the canon, in a sense. Yes. I, I hate to use the word criteria because it gives the, the sense of that they were creating the, the canon. I, I So I'm not, I, I hesitate to use it but as people were reading those documents from the first and second century or third century, even they were looking at them and saying, okay, they, they really did have a list and that they were asking, yeah, does this have an apostolic connection? Was it either written by an apostle or somebody connected to the apostles? Um, Is it from the time period of antiquity? Did it happen during the first century? Um, is it consistent with other parts of scripture? Is it consistent with other parts of scripture? How has the church viewed these writings? So, I mean, I hate to use the word criteria because it might give the wrong idea, but we approach something with clear things in our head. So when we say that they're discovering there, there are certain things about it that they're looking at and saying the attributes of scripture itself, they could, they could see, Oh, it has this attribute that it's claiming the same things that these other books claimed. It has this attribute. It, it claims to be written from God. It has this attribute. It's claiming to be inerrant, without error. And it's consistent with what's been written. Yeah. And so I, I hope 
me saying all that doesn't give the impression that I'm I'm now advocating that the church decided. But there is a human element to yeah. the canon, if you will. Yep. Yep. Yeah, of course. And and I, I'm, I'm going to argue, and I mentioned this earlier, of, of course there is a human element. Um, we believe that the scriptures are inspired by God, but through human authors. And this actually speaks to the authenticity of the Bible mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, other religions and other kinds of uh, pseudo-scriptures that have an origin story that frankly isn't credible. Well, I dug up these golden plates and well, okay, where are they? Yeah. Let's see them. Well, you can't. We have no, we have no story about that, about the Bible. Uh, it arose by the inspiration of God and, and through, and, and it's a, the inspiration is supernatural and yet entirely human. In, entirely human in the sense that God speaks into the hearts of writers who are sitting with, with pen and paper and or papyrus, and uh, speaking, communicating in their in their own language, out of their own personality, um, as, as God directs them. And I'm I don't I don't presume to speak for these guys, but I think at the end of the day, when you look at the complete canon, one of the things that to me is the most convincing that it is the true canon is the unity of the scriptures, that it can speak yes. with one voice um, and not contradict itself. Yeah, and, and the large catechism, I'll just summarize, question number four, it asks, how does the, the word of God appear to be the word of God? In other words, how do we know the word of God is the word of God? And one of its answers is essentially, it's self-evidently true. How do you know water is wet? Touch it. How do you know ribeye steaks taste good? Taste it. How do you know the word of God is the word of God? Open it up. Open it up and read it. Um, good book on this is Michael Kruger's The Question of Canon. Uh, so just wanted to give that resource. Uh, Russ is pointing to the time, so I need to go. We'll see you next time. This is the Gospel for Life. 